From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Offensive Masterminds, running an outside zone on your intelligence. John Granado and Lance Zerline. All right, welcome back. What a week we've got. Josh Pate with us now at Late Kick Josh. The Late Kick with Josh Pate, and it's brought to you. He is brought to you every week by Damaris Barbecue right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Josh, we had a crappy week last week that, well, we had one really, really good game that we had to stay up late for, and most of America did. But this week, what a week of games we got. This is the this is great. This is going to be a fun weekend, isn't it? How, I mean, how dead inside would you have to be to not be fired up for this? My, my stats and info department, which is one person, by the way, handed me a sheet the other day. This is the most ranked versus ranked in one weekend we've had since 05. Wow. That's forever ago. Wow. That is awesome. And you still got some other good games outside of the top 25, but this is, okay, so where are you going? Or if you can't get there, what's your favorite game this weekend? Oh, I'm going up to South Bend, man. I'm on the field for that one. Ohio State and Notre Dame is the one I circled in the preseason. I thought it was going to be a conflict, either that one or FSU Clemson, but that week one uh, mishap by Clemson kind of took care of that, although I'm looking forward to that one as well. But you know how we, we have talked about this on this show like two times already this season, how college football teams are a little bit different well, they're a lot different than pro teams. But one of the differences in the season is when you don't have preseason games and you're still playing with 18- to 22-year-olds, very rarely do you have established products out of the gate. And so you're trying to be good enough out of the gate, but you steadily improve in a perfect world. And teams like Ohio State, just for example, have loaded rosters. They are not the version of themselves they're capable of being yet, but they hadn't lost a game because they hadn't played anyone. And you're trying to see around the corner. You're trying to ask yourself, when is that week where they emerge? When do they pop? And I don't know if it's going to be this week. I suspect we'll see the best version of them this week. But also, we've legitimately got a situation here where you may have Notre Dame with a quarterback advantage, and that's certainly not something we would have said a year ago, but this game was close a year ago in Columbus. It's just Notre Dame had to play such a defensive ball control, take the air out of the game sort of style. Maybe Ohio State finds themselves in that role this year, and it's going to be good, man. I, I went back and forth seven times trying to pick that game. You still don't know? I, I like Notre Dame. You like Ohio State, right, Lance? I, I like Notre Dame. No, I like Notre Dame. You like Notre Dame, too. Yeah, I don't like I, Odell I think, likes Ohio State. I think that Notre Dame, now, I haven't, I haven't decided who Ohio State is yet, but I think Notre Dame... I've decided who I think Sam Hartman is. And I think Sam Hartman is a guy who's not going to be intimidated. I think a lot of Notre Dame quarterbacks, if you really go through the list of Notre Dame quarterbacks, they never really had a guy that was like, it's been a long time since they had a dude or a guy with the type of confidence of Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman has some Baker Mayfield type at Oklahoma swagger to him where he is a very confident player. I don't think the name Ohio State's going to scare him. I really don't. I He's just kind of how he's built. Now, are they good enough outside uh, in coverage? Are they good enough at the skill positions? You know, there's always that, can you match up with Ohio State? Well, Josh, hasn't there always been a speed thing for Notre Dame? It has. And, look, they're they're relying on true freshmen, wide receivers, to be their difference makers. But like you just said, a guy like Hartman can kind of establish receivers instead of vice versa. The other thing to think about here is – 
they hired Jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator at Ohio State last year, and they improved defensively. This year, they think they're really improved defensively, and that, to me, is the great question. What if they do go on the road and they do have the second-best quarterback in that game? What if everything we're saying about Hartman is true? Can that defense actually win a game for Ohio State? Because they believe it can. I'm fascinated to see if it can. I leaned Ohio State slightly because I think it can. And so we're all going to find out together. So this week, I've never seen as many people down on Alabama as we have seen this week. They got Ole Miss. And, and you know, if they lose this game, you're writing off their season already. And you're and a lot of people are writing off Nick Saban already. I think it might be a little premature. So... One of the reasons everyone's fired up about this weekend is obvious. Just look at the marquee. But the other reason, if you're a little more sadistic, which we all are, is, yes, you've got Alabama and Clemson and Texas A&M with a chance to have two losses before September's over, which is, like, out of this world crazy. So what you just said is really interesting. In the past, under Nick Saban, when Alabama's in wounded animal mode, you just expect them to come out on fire. And I think they'll mentally be in a place where they want to do that. But I don't know. I don't know that that team has that gear. I think they've got the, the talent roster, but I mean, that doesn't mean anything if it's not being properly utilized. I'm just trying to ask myself, at their best, what are they? That offensive line is a sieve right now. Ole Miss is right near the top of the country in sack rate. Alabama is worst in power five in sack rate allowed, which is just mind-boggling. Um, Jackson Dart, Ole Miss quarterback, double-digit yards per attempt right now through the air. Quinn Ewers got Alabama through the air. Jackson Dart probably going to be able to. Ole Miss can run the ball decently enough, even with Quinchon Jenkins not 100%. And also, when you've already been staggered, there's that thing that happens, especially with these more established brands. And I think Clemson and Alabama could both fall into this this weekend. If the road team grabs the early lead, it deflates those places so quickly because those folks are so paranoid and they've got such a pit in their stomach of the uh-oh factor that you could really neutralize the road environment by just taking an early lead. And that's not always the case. Like if Ohio State takes an early lead on Notre Dame, Notre Dame will still be on fire. Bryant-Denny Stadium and Memorial Stadium up there in Clemson, those places could be very quiet if you got seven or ten to nothing FSU Ole Miss on the board. So it's so imperative they start fast, and that's not something either of those teams have done this year. How? So, you know, it's interesting about thinking about Alabama. It, this is probably just like a Josh and Lance conversation. I don't know how people – be interested in this but they got two freshmen who are highly regarded freshmen they're both over 350 pounds in the neighborhood of 360 pounds they're not like big blobs or anything like that they're just huge humans but they're really having a hard time pass protection now it may be because they're freshmen it also may be because they just don't move as well laterally and you know some things you need to look at from a protection standpoint but looking across their roster and and how things have gone in the draft over like especially last year the trend now is that Georgia, if you really look at this, Georgia has overtaken, Kirby Smart has overtaken Saban. Georgia's overtaken Alabama. I, I, the way it's trending right now, he has no quarterbacks on the roster that look like they're any good. This is starting to point towards potentially Saban, you know, and Alabama maybe is on a decline that they're not going to be able to, and a tailspin, they're, they're not going to be able to pull out of. Not to, not to the level of what we know Alabama as is the standard bearer. I think that may be over. 
Well, I know, I know why you say that. I see the same thing as you do. Um, you see it with a more trained eye than I do even. But at the same time, the edge they no longer possess is in coaching. But it's, it's not just Saban versus Smart. Uh, Georgia's coaching staff is better and deeper than Alabama. Because they stay. Josh, yeah. Alabama, and you know this, Alabama's been through like five offensive line coaches in the last eight years. Like Nick, Nick is one of the greatest of all time in any sport. But he burns through coaches at an incredible rate. Yeah, if you you know what's funny is not to dovetail too far down a rabbit hole, but last year I was in Athens. And I was talking to some folks on Georgia staff. I think we had this conversation before actually, and they said, "You know what's changed the most about Kirby? When he first got here, he tried to be Nick Saban, and the staff felt it." And he, they said, over the past two or three years, I don't know what it was about COVID or whatever, but like the post-COVID Georgia, they said Kirby Smart is a different guy to work for. And all of a sudden, you know, your Glenn Schumann's, for example, they stick around. And when guys leave, it's really just because they got definitively better offers. But there is an army of off-field folks who have been there for several years. Now, a lot of them came from Alabama, and that's one of the reasons why. But to get back to your point or your question, so – Alabama's coaching roster is not to the Alabama standard right now. The quarterback room is not to the Alabama standard right now. Now, for Saban, that's as simple as let's go hire a bunch of new ones, no expense spared in the offseason, and they've they've either got a five-star true freshman coming in or they'll just go pay whatever they need to in the portal to get a quarterback. So the faces, I think they can get in the seats. The continuity, the gelling, and also making sure the complementary pieces around that quarterback and those coaches are in place and cohesive enough to where they need to be, that's where my question is. It's sort of the mortar between the bricks. I don't doubt he can get the bricks still. we got Josh Pay with us at Lake Kick Josh every week right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, brought to you by Damaris Barbecue. Josh, I thought Jay Billis put out the best tweet. He said if this was that hit that Henry Blackburn hit on, on Travis Hunter, he said if this was college basketball, we've got a flagrant two. And he'd be out of the game. Does college football need a flagrant too? Um, I never thought about that. Yeah, I, I look. I would love to overhaul the entire um, the entire targeting system, the personal foul system. I'd love to look at all that. Because right now, while on one extreme you don't have the flagrant two, you also don't have the ability to to judge intent or to judge veracity of a targeting foul. Like right now you got guys who are already committing their body to contact and the ball carrier lowers himself and they make helmet to helmet contact. And my defender is out of a game probably for doing what he was supposed to do. And the officials do not currently possess the power to say, all right, we're going to call 15 yard targeting, but you're not out of the game. It's crazy. So I would love to look over all that, but anytime you bring that up, now, you guys have probably had these conversations, too. Even anytime you talk to a college official or an administrator off the record, they agree with you, and then they shake their head no, and they say, but you know we can't do it. Litigiously, we cannot do it. We cannot be perceived as walking backwards a single inch, or we will drown in lawsuits. And that sucks, but if that is the way it is, I guess mm-hmm. I just have to live with it. But it really is a detriment to the product. Did you guys both watch Swamp Kings? I know, John, you did, right? Did you finish Swamp yeah, Kings? Yeah. Okay, did you watch Swamp Kings, uh, Josh? I, I sure I sure did see that major right hit. I was reminded of that. Okay, thank that. you. So Jason Brown, of all people, from uh, yeah. 
Last Chance You. He tweeted this out, and it was, and maybe he got it from somebody else. Boy, it was, it was pretty. It makes you think. Mate, he went back to Major Wright talking about the hit on the sideline and uh, what was it, the national championship game, where he's he's ranging over the top the same way. Now he gets there at the time the ball gets there, but he says out of his human mouth, he says, "I I could have made instead of going after the interception, I wanted to set the tone." And, and and intimidate and make them fear you know and make them fear me or something like that. He dro- he dove head first with what? the crown of his helmet into different the time. chest. Different time though. Well, but the point is, it's still the same thing though. Yeah. It's still the same thing. Not only was he not penalized, which obviously because it's a different time, but his whole point. Everyone, what do you think? What do you think Henry Blackburn was doing? It's just the point that right. look at how people responded then versus how people respond now. It's because it was Dion. Well, yeah, but you you knock Travis Hunter and you put him in the hospital. It's you know I don't know if this guy lived. Yeah, right. Who got no, no, hit? No, no, I can't no. remember who the receiver was. It was one of the it was right. one of the most violent hits I've ever seen. Right. And the point is, but, in one sense, it's like I wanted to make a statement. Now it's you could have ended his life. Well, it's the same thing. It's a safety trying to make a statement. It deserves a penalty. But I did think the the flagrant two thing was an interesting point that Billis brought up because yep. that was so far after the ball had yep. gone. You know, I'd have been fine if that was also considered a targeting. Yeah, he maybe should have. You know what? Well, uh, maybe Trev- not death threats though, John. No, maybe not, not death, death threats. threats. No. Okay. Uh, moving on, I, I, Josh. I've never seen a clause in a contract like Kirk Ferentz has that he's got to score twenty four points a game. And now you're just begging the guy to just run run scores up. He's got Penn State this week. Does he hit 24? <laughs> no, they will not. No. I was so mad last week. I was at the St. Louis airport coming back from the Missouri game, and I looked at the score. So I had Western Michigan plus 28 and a half against Iowa. I was up by 21. Western Michigan's in the red zone. I can even afford for Iowa to put another touchdown on the board. So I'm good. So there's 10 minutes to go. I come back and look, and those suckers have scored a touchdown, then gone and kicked a field goal to score as many as possible on an inferior opponent. And so they cost me money. And in the end, I, I really, in my heart of hearts, don't even believe they intend on enforcing this clause. I really think they did it to just quiet the noise this year. And don't ask me how, because I haven't even bothered looking at it, really. I, I just think Kurt Ferentz did it to shut people up and figured we'll either run it up on inferior opponents and it'll be a moot point, or we'll just, we'll just not honor it. I mean, what are they going to do? They're not going to, we're the Ferences. They're not going to do anything to us. Or we'll let the contract lapse and we'll sign them to a new contract. So I think it's probably much ado about nothing, but I do agree with you. It is, it, it's something that only happens in college football. To keep your son employed, you put a numerical clause in his contract knowing full well you play three tomato cans per year that you could run it up on. Well, listen, when Dion was doing all of this, I just thought it was daddy ball. Shadur can play. Now, at Oklahoma State, Gundy's using his kid? It's not working as Dude, what happened? What has happened to Oklahoma State? Yeah, they going into last week, so coming out of week two, they already had three quarterbacks with 15 passing attempts or more. Uh, they just don't have – they don't have it. Like, they don't have anything. They got smoked by South Alabama at home, just, like, owned. And now they dive into conference play. I, I think that they, they obviously saw a lot of guys walk out via the portal. By the way, Spencer Sanders is just sitting on the bench for Ole Miss. 
There's no winner in this scenario. He leaves there. He's not starting, and everybody's sadder because of it. They had a lot of guys walk out via the portal, okay? They tried to tell folks behind the scenes, yeah, but we didn't want most of them anyway. Oh, and by the way, we signed a few via the portal. And it's like, okay, that's great, but you're not, you're not like Ohio State. You can't afford to have that kind of roster churn, can you? Well, we'll just see. We always get it done. Mm. Well, what always has happened is not always guaranteed to happen, and that's rough. They could quickly find themselves in the basement of that conference, and I'm talking about at the expense maybe even of some of the newcoming teams, and that's, that's not good. That's not good at all. No, 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 no. Well, Alan Bowman's been around for how long, though? I mean, with Texas Tech, I mean, he's been around forever, and you would think he could, they're just bad. That is, no, you're right. They didn't, they, uh, the year before the Aggies had the most portal uh, losses than in Oklahoma State this past year. Was that, was that the most? Or was, no, Colorado was the most, right? Well, yeah, but Colorado, if you, if you go non Colorado extenuating circumstance right. teams, I believe it was Oklahoma State. Okay, before we go, what a great game on. Saturday night, it was the most watched on ESPN. Is that is this the end of the line? What with Oregon and USC coming up for Colorado? Yeah, I think I think Oregon will run it up on them. Um, we've had a lot of just dumb conversation around this. I love it. I love Dion. Please don't get me wrong, but I and I've I've reaped the benefits of it. But we are paying what we call the Dion tax on late kick, which is. The expense of having someone transcendent bringing in a new audience is that new audience doesn't know your sport, but they talk about your sport, and it's it's just mind-numbing. Well, when Oregon beats them Saturday, you're also going to have a bunch of fools on the other side who are tired of listening to it, hating on Colorado and Dion like they were ever supposed to even be here to begin with this year, much less ranked against Oregon. So we'll have two-way stupidity Saturday after Oregon beats them, and we'll just be standing here in the middle. Yeah, I just a, hate that that's where we are. But it's it's like it we is. know what we're dealing with every week now. Yeah. It's it's you got Alonzo Highsmith had to come out and say, "Hey, uh, I I'm happy for Dion. That's great. I ain't never wearing Colorado stuff like if Michael I'm a Irvin hurricane. Yeah, yeah, like how in the world are you guys yeah. doing this? Yeah, well, that's Dion brought he's brought something to the table. There's no question. Brought he has brought a table. lot of eyes to the table. We got to break it there. We're up against it. Josh Pate at Late Kick Josh, the Late Kick with Josh Pate. And he's brought to you by Damaris Barbecue right here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Josh, always great to talk to you. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Appreciate it.